Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. Very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 4. I want to pick up reading in verse number 35. Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse number 35. Sure enjoyed the good choir singing this morning and the fresh touch of the Lord that was upon them as they sung. I enjoyed the Sunday school hours. Dr. Fry was teaching to us out of First Thessalonians. Well, it's good to be back here at Spruce Street this morning. Appreciate the privilege to be here. And thank God for health and strength to be in his house today. God sure has been good to us. Smiled on us with this good, nice weather. And I'm just rejoicing in the Lord. As we were teaching this morning, the Bible said rejoice evermore. And uh, sometimes in affliction and in sorrow and in sadness, but yet we can still rejoice. We can still rejoice. All right, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse number 35. The Bible said, In the same day when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. I never read verse 35, but I don't always stop, drop down to chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible said, And they came over unto the other side of the sea. If you'll notice in verse 35, he said, Let us pass over to the other side. And then in chapter 5, verse 1, they made it over to the other side. And I've got good news for those of us that are saved. The day we got saved, we got aboard the old ship of Zion. And our destination is the other side. And we will arrive safe on board. We're going to arrive one day on the other side. The Bible says in verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillar. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? He said, How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now this is a very a precious passage of scripture here, and I trust that you're listening attentively. I trust that you're asking God the Holy Ghost to give you something this morning, that will help you in these days, and that he might stir our hearts toward this measure of revival that we're seeking after. How many of you would really like to see an old-fashioned God-sent Holy Ghost revival? Many of you, most of you raised your hand. I wonder how many of us would be willing to pay any price, whatever price that it took, to have an old-fashioned God-sent Holy Ghost revival. I doubt we'd have as many hands on that. But I tell you, if we're going to have one, we need to pay the price and be willing. And what I find here in chapter 4 of Mark, as we begin to read these verses, I find that there's a storm out on the Sea of Galilee. The Lord got in the boat, and somebody was kind enough to bring him a pillar, and he laid his head down, and he went to sleep. And while he was asleep, there arose a great storm of wind and began to beat upon that ship, and the waves began to come in it, so the Bible said that it was now full. Verse number 37, the ship had taken so much water, and nobody had bothered to wake the Lord up till now. They thought they could handle the situation. They thought they could make it safe to the other side, and, and they knew the Lord was tired. He was exhausted. He'd been preaching and teaching the word of the Lord, so nobody bothered to awake him. I, they thought they could handle it. But the Bible said in verse number 38, as he was asleep in the hiding part of the ship on a pillar, they awake him, they finally did awake him, and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And you see, they were now ready to perish. The body taken on so much water that they thought they were going to go under. And here is an interrogation of our Lord's care. They begin to interrogate him. They begin to question him. And they put a question mark upon his care. They said, Carest thou not that we are about to perish? 
Well, I want to say thank God that this morning He cares about us. He cares about us in our storms of life. He cares, friend. You say, well, Brother Buster, they shouldn't have have showed such a lack of faith. They ought to have known that the Lord cared. But now, wait a minute. When you and I find ourselves in the storm sometimes, we too are prone to ask the question that in prayer in our hearts, Lord, do you really care about my situation? Lord, do you really, really care about me? Now, it's easy to believe that the Lord cares about the pastor. It's easy to believe that the Lord cares about, you know, the Sunday school teacher or maybe somebody else in the church that you know. But I want to report to you this morning, listen to me now, whether you be a teenager, whether you be a young man and a young lady, new, newlywed couple, or whether you be old and gray-headed, and your hands come to come across, no matter your age, no matter your vocation in life, no matter your social standing, the Lord literally cares for you. Now, here's an interrogation of his care. And if you'll just hold your place here, and I'm just going to kind of jump around for a little bit, and then tie it on something in a moment. I thought about over there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. In Luke 10, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember that? A certain man left Jerusalem, and he went down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. The Bible said they stripped him, they robbed him, they, they beat him, and left him half dead. And the Bible said there was a priest that passed by, that he got on the other side. There was a Levite that came that way, but he passed by on the other side. The priest and the Levite represent the law and religion, and what the law and religion can do. Luke 10, 33 said that a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and he found that old boy, he got that in the ditch where he was at, and he poured in oil, and he poured in wine, and he bound him up, and set him on his own beast, he took him to an inn, and he paid him up for two days, and he said, if I, if I come again, when I come again, if he owns anything else, I'll take care of that. You ever thought about this? When the Lord died at Calvary, He paid us up for two days. The Bible talks about one day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. And it's been almost two days since the Lord's been gone. I mark it down, He's getting ready to come very quickly now. But what I want you to see there, there is an illustration of how our Lord cares. That good Samaritan, there's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how cared enough to get involved with this boy that was down there beaten and had been robbed and left for half dead. I'm glad our Lord cares enough to get involved. I'm glad He cares enough to get involved with the likes of us. He cared enough to get involved with the lack lack of sinners just like you and me. But you know how Luke 10 came about? In Luke 10 about the parable of Good Samaritan, there was a certain lawyer. And that lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And the Lord Jesus gave that illustration. And when he closed out that parable, Jesus said to that lawyer, which thinkest thou was friend unto this man? And the lawyer said, he that showed mercy. And the Lord said, go and do thou likewise. You see, that's the ministry of the church, friend. We're to go out there and find them that the devil has beaten and robbed and left them half dead, bring them to the end, the top of the church, turn them over to the host, a type of the men of God that can preach to them and offer them something that can help them. And there, there is an illustration of our Lord's care. But then I, I thought about it in First Peter chapter 5. Simon Peter in chapter 5 is dealing with the elders and, and the bishops and, and he talked about how that he was an eye witness of the sufferings of Christ. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you there, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, and needless being lords over God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. And Simon Peter is writing primarily unto the bishops and the elders. 
And he got down there in First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. And I believe this verse includes everybody. He said, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I like the latter part of that verse. He cares for you. Aren't you glad of that? Aren't you glad of that? Makes no difference who you are. Makes no difference. The Lord cares for you. And there's an invitation. There is an invitation to our Lord's care. The Bible said they're casting all your care upon him. Casting all your big cares, your little cares. Why you say, Brother Buster, there's something in my life that's bothering me, but, but that's so insignificant to the Lord. The Lord's not interested in little matters in my life. I'm going to tell you, yes, He is, friend. He's interested in the small matters, the large matters, anything that's bothering you, it bothers Him. You see, it matters to Him. It matters to Him what matters to us. And so we can bring all of our cares and cast all of them upon Him and have the blessed assurance for He cares for you. You see, there in First Peter 5, 7, there's a problem. The Bible says, casting all your care. We're prone to carry it ourselves, aren't we? We're prone to bear our own loads, you know, and, and we don't want to tax the Lord. And we don't want to stress Him out. And can I say something? You're never going to overtax the Lord. And you're never going to lay a care on Him that's going to burden Him down. I tell you, He has the power for Him to meet every need in our life. There's the problem, the person, but then there's the promise. He cares for you. He cares for you. I, I'm going to take that little thought now and just preach just extemporaneously for a little while. That's what they said Brother Roloff used to do. Oh, Brother Roloff, he'd, he'd read, 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 and somewhere he'd take a text, and then he would just preach from off of his heart. They call it extemporaneously, just preaching from off of his heart. And I want to talk about this matter of the Lord caring for us. Now, I know, you, I know that you know that He cares. I know that we sing the song sometimes, Does Jesus Care? And I'm glad that He does care for you. But I want to remind you of some situations that He cares for us in. He cares for you. Now, you may not need this this morning, and yet I'm sure the congregation this size, there's somebody here that needs it. But it may be by Wednesday night that you're in the darkest valley you've ever seen. You're in one of the wildest storms you've ever been in. And you're going to need to know, friend, that Jesus cares for you. He really does care. He really, that I heard a song the other day, and it talked about, it said, my father treats me as though I was his only child. I tell you, I like that. I like that. There's no standing in line when you come to God in prayer. No, friend. I tell you, every one of us that's saved by the grace of God, we have the privilege of prayer. We have the privilege of an audience with God as though we were his own just his only little child. Cool illustration, but it'll, it'll get across what I'm trying to say here. Years ago, I had an old dog, and the name was Sally. No offense meant anybody named Sally, but I had a dog that was named Sally. You know Sally, when I was a little boy, she had a litter of pups. Had about seven or eight pups, and, and there's always, you know, there's always a little runt. There's always a little one in the crown. And those bigger pups were up there nursing on mama, and that little runt couldn't get in there. I mean, they just wouldn't let her in there, buddy. She couldn't get in to mama. She couldn't get to nourishment. She couldn't get to where that was strength. And you know, I thought about that. I'd watch her. She'd have to wait and wait and wait. And if one ever did get full, just kind of roll off and waddle off the little fat puppy. Then she might be able to find a little milk. But I'm glad it's not that way with God. You see, our God is El Shaddai. The word El means God. The word Shad means breast. And the word Shaddai means the many-breasted God. Now, I'm not trying to be vulgar here. But what that word implies is that God is so big. And God has so many breasts that there's no need for any child of God to be 
be undernourished and a lack nutrition, every one of us can come to God at the same time and find exactly what we need. Amen. No standing in line. No having to wait. Huh? He really does care. He really does. You say, preacher, you mean he cares about my financial situation? You mean, preacher, he cares about my family problems? You mean, preacher, he cares for me as a young boy and a young lady? Preacher, you say, preacher, I'm a divorcee here this morning. I want to say Jesus cares for you. You say, preacher, I'm a single parent here this morning. Try to raise some children without the aid of a husband or without the aid of a wife. I want to say Jesus cares for you. I don't care who you are, what you're going through. The message is Jesus really does care. Now we're going to need to know this. I'll give you a few things. Number one, listen to me. When the storms of disappointment come howling down in your life, Hey, friend, you're not listening. You're not going to serve God long. You're not going to walk far with the Lord until you're going to be severely disappointed. Somebody will let you down. Somebody will disappoint you. Have you ever been disappointed, as the preacher said this morning, by a family member, by some of your some of your parents here this morning? You're disappointed in the way your children turned out. Some of you here, you're disappointed in other church members. Maybe you're disappointed in some preacher back there in your past. I don't know, maybe somewhere, somehow, hey, you're in a storm of disappointment. I want to say in those storms, brother, when they're howling and the lightning is flashing and it seems so dark and it seems so lonely, I want you to know the Lord Jesus really does care. Now, Baptists may not act like they care. And some of your close friends may not act like, like, like they really care. But I'm glad the Lord really does. You know where my mind's going to Luke chapter 24? And in three days and three nights since the Lord was crucified, and then that afternoon, and they got the report that Jesus' body's missing, and you know there's still almost in unbelief, and there was two disciples walking down that lonely, uh, disappointing road of Emmaus. You remember that? Man, their hearts were sad, and they didn't understand what was going on, and all of a sudden you see a, a drop turned into a trio. And there was a stranger that just began to walk behind them, and he's got beside of them, and they did not recognize who he was. And he said, why are you so sad today? They said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem, sir? Haven't you heard about Jesus, the prophet, not in indeed? And we thought it would be he that would deliver us from this Roman yoke of bondage. And they said this and that. And he said, oh, slow of heart. How slow you are, how full of unbelief. They thought, well, who are you to talk to us like that? And you know what Jesus did? He took a mat through the Psalms and the prophets and he preached and he talked to them how Christ must suffer and die and be buried and raised the third day. You want to know what the Lord Jesus would preach to those that were in a storm of disappointment? He'd preach, I was the one that died. I was the one that rose again. And I ever will to make intercession for you. I can handle the storm that you're in. And they still didn't recognize who Jesus was. And they got down there. They thought, man, he knows a lot about the Bible. Man, he knows a lot about them Psalms and them prophets. And their eyes were holding. They couldn't recognize who he was. They got down to the house and they made his, he made as though he'd go walking on by. And they said, sir, won't you come in and eat supper with us? Well, won't you take some groceries with us? Come in and break bread with us. And the master agreed to do it. Well, when he went in, they said, sir, would you ask the blessing? Well, would you honor us to, would you bless the bread as we begin to break it? And the Lord took the bread before he ever broke it. He began to pray. Hallelujah. I'd like to hurt him. I'd like to have been hanging around that table that day when the Son of God talked to his heavenly Father. I believe the power of God was everywhere. I tell you, I believe that was the electrifying power of God 
And they said, oh, we've heard prayers like that. We heard them in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've heard prayers like that before. And all of a sudden, when he got through praying, you know what he did? He began to break the bread, and he began to pass it out. You know what happened? I believe this. I believe the robe he had on covered up the wounds in his hands. And then he began to break that bread. And he began to hand it to them. They saw the wounds in his hands. Their eyes were open. They said, my God, he said, preacher, what are you trying to drive home? I'm trying to tell you when you're going down that Emmaus road, that lonely road, that stormy road of disappointment, standing somewhere in the shadows of freedom, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'll step out of nowhere and reveal himself to you and make yourself known to you in the stormy roads of disappointment. I tell you, I've had a few times of being disappointed. Under God, I've been disappointed in myself. Now, I know some of you never have arrived there yet, but I've been, I've been disappointed in how I've handled some matters and how I, how I responded to some situations. But may I hasten to hurry and say I've never been disappointed in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's never failed me. He's always been there. Oh, in the storms of disappointment, he really cares. I was in a meeting a couple of years ago. I've been going back two or three years now. It's in another state. And I was there in the meeting, and the pastor's 72 years old. And one of the first graduates from Dr. Sattler's College years and years ago. And he said, Brother Buster, will you go with me to see my daughter, Gail? And will you go with me to see my boy, Roger? I said, well, pastor, I'd be glad to. We went down to Gail's house. She's about 43 or 44. She played the organ. And we got down there, the, the pastor's daughter, mind you. We knocked on the door, and he said, Preacher, she's not been coming here lately. And said she's in a depressed state, and she's under all that cloud of depression. We knock, we knock, we knock, and she wouldn't answer. He said, Gail, it's your daddy out here. And I heard a faint voice inside said, Daddy, please don't come around today. Daddy, please take the preacher and go on. I don't want to see neither one of you. Boy, that pastor, 72 years old, Brother Fry, his heart broke. He began to cry and weep. And he began to ride on down the road, take me to his son's place of business. And he said, Brother Buster, you're going to see some things. Now, I didn't raise my boy this way, preacher. He said, you're going to see beer on his shelves. You're going to see the gambling parlay boards laying there at this place of business. He said, it breaks my heart, and I didn't raise him this way. And we got in there, and I spoke to his son, introduced myself, talked to him about coming to the meeting. And when we got back out in the car, the preacher was crying again. He was weeping, that older man of God. And you know what? I didn't know what to say. I don't have a lot of wisdom. He was far older than I. But the only thing I knew to say, I got to cry. And I said, Preacher, I want to say Jesus really does care. Preacher, the church may not understand. Your friends, your clergy brethren may not understand. But I said, Preacher, the Lord understands. And I said, the Lord really does care. Praise God, I was back over there just in February, and Gail's playing the organ again now. And she's got out of that old slew of depression. And the preachers are walking in tall cotton. And he's expecting that boy about 47 any day to come walking in the church and come down the aisle. Hey, you'll find yourself one of these days in a storm of disappointment. It's really good to know that Jesus cares. Jesus cares. That's true, friend. I tell you what this world needs to hear today. This, this world needs to hear that Jesus really does care. In the storms of disappointment. Not only that, but I thought in the seasons. Now listen to this. In seasons of discouragement. In seasons of disbelief. In seasons of yea, even doubt. Now you say, hang on, preacher, I can't go that far. We're independent from the little Bible-believing missionary Baptist, and we don't never doubt nothing. That sounds good, but it just ain't true is the only thing. I guess, don't tell me you don't doubt. You made the same stuff I made of. And every now and then I begin to doubt whether the finances are going to be met. I begin to doubt whether the Lord goes for our rent sometimes. Sure, I know He does. I feel honestly. But it's hard for me to know experientially sometimes. 
That's right. We can take our halos off. I don't see none of you sprouting halos. For sprouting everything, it's horns. We're still in a demonic nature. Boy, I tell you, that devil shoots them fiery darts at us, doesn't he? He'll try to get us to doubt God and disbelieve God. You know what the devil really wants us to do? Discredit God. He said, Preacher, what are you talking about? Seasons of discouragement. Sure, we've had our discouraging days. I'm sure Pastor Noah Fry would say, Brother Buster, there's been times I've been discouraged. I'm sure all of you can identify there's been some disbelief in your heart. Huh? And there's even been days of serious doubt. Now you say, now Baptists don't know how to handle that. I get into some meetings, you know, and here comes some, some saint of God, and she's low, and she's discouraged, and, and the devil's filled her full of doubt. And, and they'll say, well, just believe God. Don't you doubt God? That sounds good. But when you're the one doing the doubting for you, and, and you're down in that dark valley, it's hard sometimes to see the sun shining. I didn't used to have I remember Brother Tom Hayes making this statement too. Oh, Brother Tom Hayes made this statement. He used to say, I, don't have, I didn't have no time for people that doubted their salvation. He said, till God one day let me be more assured I was called to preach and I was even saved. Brother Tom said, I went through a serious bout with doubt. Well, you say, that's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. I'm glad you made that statement. Because I can show you that it's in the Bible. I can show you some of the greatest men that ever crisscrossed these pages. Well, I'll tell you what, Abraham, Abraham had some doubt. Don't you remember how he went down into Egypt in the time of the famine? He thought, well, the Lord can't provide for me up here in Canaan. And there's food down in Egypt. And Abraham left the promised land. He left the destination God had sent him to. And he went down, down into Egypt. Down into Egypt. Abraham disbelieved God. Yes, sir. I can show you some other stories. Oh, Jeremiah. Oh, Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, you know what he got to doubt? He got to doubt in the call to preach. But he did all right for a pretty good while. I tell you, when he met Mr. Pesar, Mr. Pesar smote him in the face, put him out there in stocks, and they made an open derision of him. That means they laughed him to scorn, they mocked him. Young people, old people, teenagers come by and laughed, laughed at the man of God out there in stocks. You know what Jeremiah said? He said, I'll not make mention of his name anymore. He said, I'm through with this preaching business. But before that statement ever got cold in his mouth, he said, his word was in my heart as a burning fire. And he said, I couldn't forbear. He said, I had to keep on telling the story. Why, well, I met preachers all the time. Son, don't you think they ain't thought about throwing in the towel? I know what we're saying sometimes when we say, you know, I, I never, I never got tired of the way, but I do get tired in the way sometimes. Amen. I'm just flesh and blood like the rest of you. You know what the devil will do? He'll, he'll, he'll point out those that you used, used to grow up with. Now you know, if you're a preacher this morning, and now they're businessmen, and they're contractors, and they're lawyers, and they're doctors, and here you are just scraping to get by, and you know, giving your tithes, giving faith promise, and giving to everything you know to give to, and the devil will come by and say, see, see, he filled old Jeremiah full of some doubt. I'll give you something else. Elijah got full of doubt. Now, son, I get to reading about Elijah, brother. You talk about a man of God. He come forth there and what is it? First Kings 17. And he stood before Ahab. His first message was a message to the president, if you will. And he said, Ahab, no rain but by my word. And he shut up the spigot. And he took the spigot with him. And he departed down the brook chair. Uh, God fed him with the ravens, you know that story. And then God let the book drop and he said, All right, Elijah, you go on back up yonder now. Go to the widow woman's house first. And then he sent him back to Ahab. Boy, listen, he was he then schooled by God down there. And Ahab said, We found you. You're the one troubling Israel. Elijah said, It's not me that's troubled Israel, it's you and your house that's troubled Israel. 
And boy, you know the confrontation that they had. And that God sent the fire down for Elijah, didn't he? God vindicated his prophet, tore barrels of water upon that wood and that sacrifice, and God sent the fire so hot that it burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And Israel cried, The Lord, He is God. And then Elijah went up on top of that mountain and prayed, prayed for the rain to come, prayed for rain, to, and the rain came. Could a man like that ever doubt? But you know what happened? As he is out running that horse and chariot coming down off that mountain, I hear the message get to Elijah, and the message said, Jezebel, Jezebel, said she is going to do unto you as you've done to her prophets, Elijah. Now, hey, listen, this is what happens to you. You better get, get this, get this down somewhere. Put it in your computer. After every major victory, after every major victory, the devil's going to send his fiery darts like never before. And boy, you know what Elijah did? He doubted. Job said, I, he said, the arrows of the Almighty have afflicted me. Job began to say that God sent this upon me. You see, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. It wasn't that God had did it to Job, but God had allowed the devil permission to get to Job. Oh, oh Job had some serious problems. With some doubt through there, you read it. He began to even get sarcastic. He lost his humility too. I tell you, you've been in his condition and all that going on. I guess I'd lose mine too. He said, when you three friends die, wisdom's going to pass away. He said, you boys think y'all know everything. And old Job kind of fired back a few times, see. But at the end of that book, God showed up and said, Hey, Job, if you know so much, where was you when I laid the foundations of this earth? Hey, Job, where were you? Son, God preached to Job about two chapters. And Job said, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I've heard myself. I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see of thee. And Job bowed down in humility. And you know what God said? God said, Job, I care for you. And he gave him twice as much as he ever had. Restored everything that he had lost. And you say, how did he get seven sons and three more daughters? God gave him seven sons and three more daughters. And evidently he had seven sons and three daughters in paradise. And that made him twice as much as he ever had. God said, I care for you, Job. I'll give you one other New Testament for you doubters. And I like this, it helps me. There's a man by the name John Baptist. Yeah. John Baptist, that old leather lung Baptist preacher. Yeah. He was filled with the Holy Ghost his mother's womb. When Mary came over there to tell his mama Elizabeth, John was six months along his mother's womb. And Mary said, I'm a child of the Holy Ghost, Elizabeth. And unto God, that hit John the Baptist in his mama's womb. And the Bible said the babe leaped for joy. Son John was kicking his mama's ribs and screaming, that's him, that's him, that's the one, that's the one. And then old John was out there baptizing the river Jordan. And he said, there's one coming after me who's mighty and I who's I'm not worthy to unlatch. And John was baptized in one day. John looked up, and Jesus had stepped out in the Jordan River. Out in that Jordan River, I believe when the Lord stepped in the Jordan River, that was a cheer that ran all over John the Baptist. And John said, that's him. That's him right there. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And John baptized the Son of God in the river Jordan. And all of a sudden, there's a God. The Holy Ghost. And you ain't seen that dove since Noah's day. That dove had been gone for a long, long time. But that dove came back, brother, and lit on the shoulder of the Son of God. John heard a voice out of heaven. John heard God speak. So this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear you him. Yeah, I'll never get through with this. I may come back tonight. Do you, you reckon a man like that could ever doubt? A man filled the Holy Ghost his mother's womb. A, a man that shouted before he was ever born. Do you reckon a man that baptized Jesus, identified Jesus, saw the Holy Ghost come out of heaven, heard God speak? Do you reckon a man could ever doubt like that? Surely a man couldn't doubt like that. Now, wait a minute. 
John's followers begin to leave him. And multitudes begin to leave him and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. John got in the penitentiary one day for preaching on adultery. And that's about where it'll land you in this hour. Oh, boy, I tell you, now, I don't mean to hurt nobody. I don't know nothing about nobody's life in here. I was in a meeting the other day, and there's a man come up to me, a middle-aged elderly man in the church. He said, my wife left me two years ago. I said, I'm sorry to hear that, sir. I've known him for years. But now hang on before you say anything. And you better think this out before you go to criticizing me. He said, but God gave me another wife. Now that didn't hit me right. And I don't believe it hit the Bible right. Now you may have got you another wife, but don't you go tell anybody God gave her to you. You be real careful about saying that. Because you'll be telling these young kids, if it don't work out, just get you a divorce and God will give you number two. God will give you number three. Whoa, now I'm not stopping nerve about right yonder. Now, you know what? Surely if you've been through a divorce and you've remarried and you've repented over that thing, you've asked God to forgive you. Surely you'd say, Preacher, preacher in love and in truth. Preach for my children to get married and stay together. Surely you wouldn't want them to go for that. What's tearing me up in these days is people are justifying adultery. Justified. John preached. He said, I'll tell you something, Harry. Harry liked to hear John preach. Harry, there's something about John that attracted him. You know what I believe it was? He was I believe John was a man's man. I believe John wasn't afraid of nothing. He wasn't afraid of religion in that day, describes the Pharisees. He wasn't afraid of a, nothing. And boy, Harry, something about John fascinated him. He went and heard him. He'd hear him gladly, and he'd listen to John. And one day John took that bony finger of judgment and said, Herod, you've got your brother Philip's wife in here, and the story is you're shacking up with her, and I'm going to tell you now it's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Man, Herodias flew mad. She got as mad as any wet hen you've ever seen. She was a bell and steaming mad. And you know what it cost John for preaching like that? It cost him his head. But he's over in the penitentiary now. You know the story. Herodias' daughter come in one day and she'd done a vulgar, indecent dance before Herod and his drunken party. And old Herod got so stirred up, his passions got so roused that she pleased him so well. That daughter did him dance and he said, girl, I'll give you anything up to half the kill. She went to her mama and said, mama, what should I ask for? Mama, what should we ask for? And that mama's wicked eyes, I could see the fire dancing out of them. And the devil said, here's your chance, Herodias. She said, give me John the Baptist's head in the charger. Shut his head and put it on the charger. John's down that penitentiary. He's waiting. He's waiting on execution. He called out the window. Psst. Psst. And the disciples out there still with me. A couple of old boys said, we're with you, John. We're with you. He said, I want you to go find Jesus. I want you to ask him a question. John said, you asked him, are you he that should come or should we look for another? John the Baptist got so full of doubt. You listen to me. He was so discouraged. He was so depressed. He was so far gone. He began to doubt that Jesus was even the Messiah. And he said, you asked him, are you he that should come or should we look for somebody else? See, John thought the Lord ought to come over and deliver him. Get him out of the penitentiary. Set up the kingdom. Get this ball of wax rolling. They went over there and they probably heard the Lord preaching and they waited they got through and they got his attention. The Son of God said, what is it? And they said, we're ashamed to have to ask you this, sir. Lord, we're ashamed to have to ask you this question. And we're ashamed that we've got to tell you where it comes from. And the Lord already knew. He said, say on, boys. And they said, sir, John the Baptist wants to know. Master John the Baptist wants to know. Are you he that should come or should we look for another? What would you have said to John? What would you have said to John? But you know what the Lord did? See, the Bible said, A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not snuff out, shall he not quench. The Lord's ministry wasn't in breaking reeds that were bruised. John was a bruised reed. The Lord's ministry is in whoop, straightening them bruised reeds. And you know what he said? 
He said, you go back and tell John the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached unto them, blessed is he, whomsoever is not offended in me. And boys, they began to walk away before they got out of hearing distance. You know what the Lord turned and said to the multitudes that were gathered? That shook their faith a little bit. Those multitudes had heard John preach. Many were baptized by John. Many of them used to be followers of John. It shook their faith a little bit. And the Lord said, what you went to, well, what went you out to see when you went to see John? Why, he said, a reed shaking in the wind? Did you go to see what he saw after rain of it? He said, I'm going to tell you what John is, was. He said, there's not a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. And I believe them two boys on the way back home looked at one another and said, did you hear what the Master said? Did you hear what he said about John? Even though John's doubted, even though John's had disbelief, and they get back over there and they go, psst, psst, John, John. He said, yes, you find him, you find him? What did you say? Just in my question. They said, John, let us tell you. We asked him your question. And he said, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the poor have the gospel preached, and blessed is he whom swears not offended in me. Boy, that cut John. That, that was the dagger that went home to John's heart. And John was made aware, I've been offended in my Lord. I've been offended in my Lord. And I'm going to tell you, there's been many of us offended in the Lord too. Don't you look at me like that. Some of us have said, why God? Lord, I've been trying to serve you and live for you. Why God did you let this happen to us? And you know what, old John, that brought conviction to him. And that humble John, he's broken now. And I believe you can almost hear him weeping now. He's sorry he never asked the question. He's sorry he never doubted. And they said, psst, psst, John, we ain't through. listen to us. You ain't going to believe what we heard him say as we was walking away. John said, what did he say? Well, they said, John, he turned to the multitudes and said this. There's not a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. <laughs> There's old John that bruised reed. He's about broke now. He's about broke when the Lord said, that, Bless you, see, soon as not offending me. But when he heard that, whoop, old John rose up. <laughs> uh, you know what the Lord was to say to John? I know you're down. I know you're discouraged. I know you're defeated. I know the devil's shooting fiery darts at you, but I still care. I still care. I'll give you these last three points and we'll get out of here. <laughs> Jesus cares when it seems to be disastrous. When it seems to be disaster and disastrous. You ever had any disasters in your life? You ever had God to come down seemingly snatch a little baby out? An untimely car wreck? Took your health away? Seemed like you, 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 it's just been a disaster. A disaster. Well, I'll tell you, it's good to know even when the old space comes. Jesus cares. Last year, a friend of mine, I'll, be, I'll tell this one about through. Randy Holt, preacher in Atlanta, Georgia. Randy Holt. His wife, Cheryl, died. She died. She's having to have a blood, complete blood transfusion. She had that leukemia and stuff, and they, they'd give her that over in Washington State. She went in a little halfway house to recover, and she picked up a little germ. That little germ got in her bloodstream, and a long battle began to pursue and finally that little germ won the victory and brought death to Cheryl. I saw her in the hospital just a few days before she died. I didn't recognize her. They pulled her, taking her down the hall and she grabbed my coat and I turned around to see who it was and I recognized she had a turban about her head all wrapped up in her eyes. I saw it was Cheryl. And she began to cry. I said, we're praying, Cheryl. Wasn't long after that, Brother Randy, his mother called me from the hospital and they said, Cheryl's died, preacher. 34 years old. Randy was 35. Got two precious little boys, nine and twelve years old, if memory serves me right. And boy, he got on the phone that day. They called me and I said, Randy, he was just crying and weeping. I said, Randy, I don't understand. I don't have all the answers. But I said, Randy, call to remembrance those promises. Call to remembrance those verses. All things work together for good to them that love God. Randy, don't, don't let this shipwreck you. And I said, Randy, I don't know how else to say it, but Jesus really does care for you. Amen. Then he called me on that same year. I was supposed to have been with him in revival. He called me and said, Preachers have got bad news. He said, It's just been one disaster after another. He said, My boy fell and broke his leg. He said, The van we had and was driving blew up. The engine blew up. He said, Preacher, the job I've been working for years has shut down in Atlanta. He said, I'm out of work. And he said, The church I've been pastoring. I had to schedule for revival. We've got to cancel. He said, They voted me out. They voted me out. Boy, you talk, I thought if anybody has a right to complain, Billy Hank. But you know what he said? 
he began to talk to him. He said, Preacher, he said the boys were handling the mother's death good. And he said, God's given me special grace. And he said, Preacher, even though we've lost everything, it seems like, God's so real around this house, you just wouldn't believe it. God's helping us and encouraging us. And you know what the Lord told me through that? I care, son, when it seems to be a disaster. I really care. I really care. I may have told this before. I can't remember. Two years ago, I believe it was, I was preaching outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. I was in that meeting preaching in the little country church. And there was a young girl, and I went to change clothes. There was a young lady come out there, and when I stepped out of where I was changing, she had tears in her eyes, and she looked like she's 16, and mascara running down her face. looked like somebody plowed furs in her face. And there's a little boy behind her, about three or four years old. I thought it was her brother. And she was crying. Her name was Amy. She said, Preacher, Preacher. I said, What's your name, hon? She said, Amy. She said, Preacher, does Jesus really care for me? She said, Preacher, I got saved two or three weeks ago now. And she said, I'm trying my best to live for the Lord. I said, Amy, is this your brother? She looked at me and she bowed her head. She said, No, Preacher. She said, I got pregnant when I was 11. And she said, I had that child when I was 12. And she said, I'm 16 now. He's four years old. Well, my heart broke. And she said, Preacher, said, a lot of people look down on me. I said, there ain't many of me friends to me in the church. And she said, Preacher, does Jesus really care for somebody like me? Oh, I tell you, my heart broke. And I just wept and told her, I said, Amy, Jesus loves you. And Amy, Jesus loves your little boy. Jesus loves him. Jesus cares. Jesus cares. That's right. Jesus cares. I was preaching in Atlanta, Georgia. This has happened to me three or four times here lately. I was preaching in Atlanta. And there's a man and a woman come up to me. And they'd bought some tapes in days gone by. And they came up and the lady started crying. She's about 48. She started crying. I saw the husband get up under her arm and hold her. And she said, Preacher Buster, my boy, I used to love to hear you preach. And the Holy Ghost underlined that used to. And I had to be very hesitant what I said. I knew I had to be careful. I said, well, ma'am, I, 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 I'm glad you love to hear me preach. She said, she said, preacher, my boy died in April. I said, I'm sorry to hear that, ma'am. I, I sure hate to hear that. She said, preacher, I won't tell you how he died. I said, you don't have to do that, ma'am. She said, preacher, I need to tell you. She said, my boy contacted AIDS. Contacted AIDS, and he was a drug user. And she said, preacher, my boy said he got saved about four or five months before he died. He said he began to use them, them tapes and hand them out to everybody and other preaching tapes. And she was weeping so hard now they had to hold her up. They just about to carry her out. And she said, Preacher, my boy died of AIDS. I looked at her and I said, Ma'am, I want you to know something. I said, Jesus cares for you. I said, Ma'am, listen. I said, A lot of people may frown and look down, but Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Would you let me share one that happened last week, week before last? I'm talking about things I'm running into. Two weeks, three weeks ago, I was in a meeting in Cleveland, Tennessee, and it broke out. They ran a week and a half. We baptized 21. To God be the glory. They baptized 21 people. And there was a boy named Billy. Billy looked like he was about 16. His mom and dad adopted parents now. His parents adopted him when he was five. The mom and dad come from the far end of this state over toward the coast. And they brought that boy Billy to the home there. And the church I'm preaching in has a boy's home. And they said, Preacher, everything you've mentioned this morning, and I've mentioned child abuse, I've mentioned sodomy, I've mentioned how people have been abused and mentally abused. That, that daddy looked at me, that adopted daddy said, Preacher, he said, we got Billy when he was five. Said his heart was broken, we got him. And he said his heart still broke at 15. We've had him 10 years. Said he's never opened up to us. I said, Preacher, we know everything you've mentioned today was done to that boy before he was five years old. Before he was five, big old boy, handsome young man. I got to preach him that next week, and one night old Billy, Brother Fry, he come a tearing out of that big old long-legged boy, fell in that altar just to weeping and a crying. Old Billy said he got saved by the good grace of God. I'm glad God cared for Billy. I'm glad God cared for a boy that had been sodomized and raped and abused and all this stuff was in his mind. You know what people think like that? When they're sexually abused, they think, I'm guilty. I'm the one that's guilty. I'm the one. They feel that guilt somehow. I was preaching the other night, and this floored me. 
The pastor of the church got up. I'm not for sure he should have said all this. I don't know right or wrong. But he said, I have been holding something for 30, for 31 years. For 31 years. He's 39. He said, I've been holding this for 31 years. Never told a soul. He said, I was sexually abused when I was 8 years old. He said, I got saved when I was 10. He said, the sexual abuse continued for several years. But now he's weeping. He couldn't hardly stand up. He was weeping so hard. And he said, I can't hold it no longer. He said, I've got to tell somebody. And you know, I'm so glad I could tell him that Jesus cares. You'd be surprised how many people are here this morning. And I don't want you to tell me nothing. I don't want you to tell me nothing. But you'd be surprised how many people are in this building this morning that are carrying emotional scars and physical scars from abuse. And they ain't never told a soul. And sometimes the devil will come by and say, Well, you know how would God save you? And you were done like that. You know God don't really love you. And you're a second-rate Christian. And you never can be used for God. That's a lie of the devil. That's a lie of the devil. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus cares for you. Amen. You hear me? He cares for you. He cares for the saints that have drifted. He cares for the sinners that are desperate. Jesus really does care. And that blesses my heart. Because one day He cared for me. An old lost, long-haired preacher's son, full of hell and rebellion. Ought to have been dead in hell a long time ago. I'm glad the Lord cared for me. And He cares for you this morning. But you say, Preacher, I've drifted from God. And Preacher, I'm at a distance from God. And, and the devil tells me I never can get back to where I once was. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. Pull us to bow our heads this morning. I'm through preaching. You've been good to listen. And we're going to get a song of invitation together. And we're going to sing a verse. And I don't know who needs to come. I don't know the needs of anybody. I tried to pray this morning. I said, Lord, would you help me to preach? And may you be glorified. May you be glorified. And may the saints of God be helped. May somebody get saved this week, Lord. I want to tell you this morning, grandmother, granddaddy, I want to tell you, young man, young lady, married couple, I don't care, young teenage boy and girl, whoever you are this morning, Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. With heads bowed and eyes closed and they're playing softly. I've watched people weep all over this auditorium this morning. I've watched men and women weep and cry. Maybe God's nudged your heart. Maybe you need just get in an old-fashioned arm and say, Lord, I'm glad you do care. And maybe you've been offended at the Lord.